Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would like to take a moment to thank Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby for subscribing at the 16-bit tier and making this show possible. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 51 of Retro Hangover. Welcome to Retro Hangover Podcast, your favorite podcast that you're listening to while you're listening to it, where we are doing diddly, diddy kong racing, daringly deciding dragon decadence. This is episode 51 of the Retro Hangover Podcast, and I am your co-host, Chris Copeline. And as always, with your host, Shane Panzer Dick Drag Koski. You know, I really want a Panzer, like a Panzer Dick Dragoon, like artwork now with that. We, we've we've started collecting this number of like T-shirt ideas that mm-hmm. at some point when we're, you know, popular, <laughs> maybe we'll actually get around to doing. But I feel like that's a really good one. Like I can envision it in my head. We need to get we need to get somebody on that. Let's. Um, we should uh, make a companion to the Dick Dragon, and his name will be Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And when they can combine, Jimmy will act like Jimmy. a hat, and then he can be the armored Dick Dragon. Ha ha! That's a that's a reference that no nobody nobody younger than us would probably get. Does anybody actually call it that anymore? I don't think I don't so. Think so. <laughs> I think we I think people our age barely call it that. <laughs> But I, but anyway, Grandpa. So uh, okay, how, how, how you doing? Um, we're <laughs> we're we're on the other side of uh, episode fifty now. So we hit that milestone, and now we are looking to the future for for episode one hundred. So it feel, feels good, man. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll get there, and you know, we'll get there in two years. And I'm feeling optimistic. Uh, it was really cool having our patrons on our last episode. I had a lot of fun with that. I think it turned out really well. Yeah, definitely. So thanks once again, guys. I know you're listening to this because you guys are awesome. So thank you for staying with the show. But in the meantime, Shane. Yes. Yes. Have you been playing the Vidya games and the life and how are the things? Ah, uh, yes. I've been playing the life. Oh. Yes. As I'm not particularly good at it, but, you know, I uh, I found this walkthrough and it's been helping, I guess. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know where I was going with that metaphor. But anyway, yeah, no, it's oh. it's it's been all right. Um so some inside baseball on this one. This is actually take two of recording this episode because we were going to do it a couple of days ago and we ran into uh our first ever major technical issue in which we lost an entire episode. So it was bound to happen, you know? I mean, we're 50 episodes well, three, in, so... Three quarters of an episode, because we never stopped. We never finished. I mean, it was basically the whole episode. Okay, yeah. fair. But uh, outside of that, um, yeah, doing doing all right. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm... Actually, I finished the story in Kingdom Hearts 3, which, by the way, I'm not going to spoil anything or whatever, but the, the way that wraps up is actually a huge letdown. Um, but... Uh, shocker. Yeah. Well, I was kind of, I, I honestly, I don't know what I was hoping for. 
because I, I've played all three mainline installments of that game now, plus most of the sort of tertiary titles, even though those are technically required to understand or even begin to understand what the fuck is going on in that game. Having done all of that, I still don't know what the hell is happening in that game. To the point, you know what? Don't worry. Just subscribe to Disney Plus, and I'm sure that they'll fill you in. I mean, I am subscribed to Disney Plus, and if they wanted to to make a, a Kingdom Hearts like like original series, I'd I'd be okay with that. But you know, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where you and I differ. But uh, let's like I I finished the story and then immediately went to YouTube and looked up like full story explanation Kingdom Hearts and tried to piece it all together because there's just so many different story threads. It's like lost and just about as confusing and disappointing by the time it gets to the end of it. But anyway, working on the collector stuff for that, um, kind of trying to hundred percent some of that stuff now and, uh, started off, uh, season 19 of Diablo three. So that's always a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, rolling a barbarian to try out one of the new, uh, sets, the armor sets that they've included this season. So, um, so yeah, man. Is that where you have the the Pooh Bear Panda mode in Diablo Three? Yes. Uh, yes. If you were go- if you were asking about Kingdom Hearts, I would I would unironically say yes, but but um, but but also yes. The Pando monetization num. I'm still I'm still waiting for for those uh, cosmetic items. I, I want like a Pooh helmet, but I I guess I guess I'll just have to keep dreaming. Mm. Yeah. But uh, what about you, Chris? What have you been up to? Uh, living the life. I re-enlisted in the Navy today. In fact, as of this recording, uh, it is officially my 16th anniversary in the Navy. So, yay. I is Okay. I, I don't know if I should clap for that. What exactly does it mean to re-enlist? Because I have no idea. Like, Are you just signing up for like, another contract? Is that what that means? Uh, Yeah, essentially. So, like, I technically could, could have gone another year without re-enlisting. Because mm-hmm. you, you, you re-enlist to extend out... The amount of time you have left okay. in the Navy. So now I have five more years left. And and five more years I can actually get out if I want to. Like, well, I could get out in a year if I wanted to, but I could like collect a paycheck for the rest of my life if I want to. I see. Okay. So you're basically just trying to extend long enough to to get that sweet retirement. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and stay employed. That I think that is the the key. I mean, I guess is you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, staying employed is kind of important. That's what I've been told. Especially when the human robots take us all over and, and completely collapse the economy. I guess it won't really matter. It's only matter of But time. at the same point, yeah, I'll, I'll, have, I'll, I'll be fighting the robots from a ship, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it might be. I don't know. Maybe it's the only safe place left. Who knows? Uh, no. In terms of video <laughs> games, yeah, uh, Breath of Fire 3 is still a thing. I've talked to Shane about it. So the RFR will be in once I beat it. I'm getting really close to the end. I'm really not that far now. Um. I have mixed feelings about it, and I'll make sure that I explain that in the RFR, just because that is a patron request, so I'll get into that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, played a lot of Rogue Legacy, and that's a game I enjoy playing for a couple hours, and then I realize I spent too way too much time playing it. I don't know what I've done with my life, because I know I'm never going to beat it, <laughs> even though uh, I'm having a lot more fun with it now than I than I did when I played it a while back, just because the controller is a little bit better, because mm-hmm. uh, it's a Sega Genesis uh, six-button controller. And I and I know you're going to give me shit for that, and I think that's fair. However, comma... <laughs> I No, I would never do that. Please continue. <laughs> However, comma, the, the, a retro controller is much more suitable for a game like Rogue Legacy than an Xbox 360 controller. 
Oh yeah, because playing I mean, 2D I'll, games I'll give is you always that. better that yes. way. No, playing 2D games with an Xbox controller still sucks. Yes, and uh, I played a little bit of the game for this episode today that we're going to get into. What we we're talking about a game? We are. What we do here? Yes. I know I'm new, so you know, bear with me. Uh, well, we don't have to talk about a game because sometimes oh. we talk about systems. We can change it. <laughs> pull, just pull a pull a complete 180, like mid episode. Just M Night Shyamalan, everybody, and just start. It's a super plot twist because you're going to see the name of the episode, and while you're listening to the episode, you're going to hear me change the episode in front of Shane. It's a Inception thing oh my god i don't think that's how that works but <laughs> let's roll with it any case no we're not changing the episode you did read the title correctly uh so shane can kind of talk to us about what episode we are doing today we are talking about panzer dragoon for the sega saturn yes with reference to the armored jimmy dragon <laughs> yes. so the jimmy dick dragon the jimmy had a dick dragon <laughs> Uh, right. So uh, in that case, I think we're going to let Chris uh, take it away with a brief history of Panzer Dragoon. Riding through the desert on a typical bounty mission, you are suddenly attacked by some mutants. After giving chase, you find yourself in an ancient tower, possessed by creatures of great power and advanced technology of an ancient age. Luckily, a lift takes you away from danger to the top of the tower. There, you see two magnificent beasts engaged in battle. Dragons, each with a rider. The larger dragon launches a piercing shot, mortally wounded the opposing rider. As the large, dark dragon flies away, the wounded rider and his dragon approach you. He reaches out his hand, beseeching you to take hold of it and his power. Do not let him make it to the tower, he says. My dragon knows the way. The rider then perspires in a heap. The dragon lets out an echoing cry and yields to you for mounting. You board the dragon, unassuming of your responsibilities, and fly into unknown adventure. The development for Panzer Dragoon begins in 1993. At this point, Sega of Japan was noticing a distinct lack of third-party developers jumping on board for their upcoming next-generation console, the Sega Saturn. After asking their staff for ideas, specifically for a shooting game, 23-year-old Yukio Futatsugi proposed the titular game and was soon tasked with the development alongside Manabu Kusunoki. They would soon form a staff of 15 people and dub the group Team Andromeda. With 3D visuals just being introduced into mainstream gaming, Team Andromeda wanted to create a game that had a completely 3D environment. Drawing inspiration from games such as Space Harrier, Starblade, Star Fox, and Rayforce, known as Galactic Attack in North America, it was decided that Panzer Dragoon would be an on-rail 3D shooter. Decision was made to make an armored dragon the vessel utilized after noting that armored spaceships were too bland and predictable. Additionally, a living creature would allow for more detailed animations. The game was then named Panzer Dragoon, mostly because Futatsuki thought Kikoryu was boring and wanted to spice things up by using the German words for Armored Dragon instead. The team then created the game setting, a post-apocalyptic sci-fi world, drawing heavily from influences such as the novel The Long Afternoon of Earth, artwork from French artist Moebius, and movies Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Star Wars, and Dune. 
Manabu Kusunoki decided to avoid going down the then-popular path of including giant Gundam-like robots or spiky-haired anime heroes and waifus, instead focusing on more of a Middle Eastern Turkish design style with a focus on industrial-era inspiration when designing machines and settings. Team Andromeda would face severe challenges as game development came nearer to completion, with the Saturn hardware being new and not seeing the hardware finally finalized until mid-1994, mere months before retail release. Panzer Dragoon was not able to be properly tested on final hardware and had to be delayed past the November 1994 launch in Japan. The team had to limit the amount of resources in their stages as they struggled to maintain a consistent frame rate, usually only being locked in at 20 frames per second. The soundtrack, however, composed by NHK musician Yoshitaka Azuma, was finalized during this time and considered to be one of the best soundtracks ever created. The game would finally find a release in Japan on March 10, 1995, and would be a launch title for the North American Saturn release on May 11th of the same year, and Europe getting it on August 30th, also the same year. The PC would see a release on March 14, 1997, and initially be exclusive to Japan. Reviews upon release would be positive with some publications even calling it the Saturn Game of the Year. Even though the games would receive high praise and be one of the Saturn's best-looking early games, total sales of the game are only estimated to be at approximately 370,000 copies in Japan, with no official data from other territories. However low the sales, the series went on to have three sequels, Panzergrün 2, Saga, and Orta, with a remake of the original game in winter of 2019 or 2020 for the Nintendo Switch and PC via Steam. And that is your brief history of Panzer Dragon. All right. Thank you, Chris, for that brief history. Um, so I, I, I want to start off just by talking about how I how much I enjoyed the intro cutscene for this game. It's pretty cool. It, it is really cool. And, and it gave me so it's funny because this was around the same era as, you know, like the original Diablo and some of that stuff. So a lot of the the 3D models and the animation stuff was very, very reminiscent of that because that's kind of where the tech was at the time. But I I just I got a kick out of that introduction because kind of as you described it in the brief history, you're sort of the scavenger, right, with these couple other presumably dudes i don't know um out there people just doing your thing you know in the desert and you just kind of stumble upon these dragons you almost get killed a few times and then this dragon rider just shows up and he's like i'm dying and gives you this dragon and not only do you immediately just know how to ride a dragon, which if anybody's ever tried to go horseback riding for the first time, you can probably figure out how difficult that actually is. So then going to jumping on the back of a dragon and just flying off is insane. And uh, also <laughs> you're flying off into the distance. You're, you're just like, fuck yeah, adventure. And your two friends are just standing there looking up like, what the fuck, man? And you're just like, later nerds from up there. And that's it. You don't care. You're just suddenly your friends are just like, you're like, you guys are dead to me because I got a fucking dragon. Yeah, they they seem really disappointed. You really don't seem to care that this series of serendipitous events just randomly happened to you. No, man, he just you just go with it. You're just like, I have this sweet ass gun and a dragon. I don't need anything else. I mean, would we do anything different? I mean, probably not. 
I, I just, I just, I just think it's funny how the like these series of events takes place, and then you just never see your friends again. You're just, eh, whatever. I, I'm dying. Please take this giant gun and ride this dragon. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Get off. I'm on. I, <laughs> Let's do I it. I mean, like, can you imagine if it was anybody else that just happened to be there at that moment when that dragon rider was like in his last moments, just like. I don't know, a, a child or like an elderly woman or something. He's like, I, 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 I guess this is all I have left. Good luck. Or just someone who doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they just look at it. They're like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, it, like, is that SpongeBob mean where he's like, I, I'm going to head out. <laughs> all right, I'm head out. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, have fun, dragon. Yeah. Later. You're free, dragon. Go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the video quality on it isn't the best either. One, because it is like 1994 FMV. So it's even pre-Final Fantasy VII. Right. And the Sega Saturn has a pretty bad video card. So it's super grainy. It is. It is, yeah. But it's just like, for, for me personally, it, that sort of style um, hit kind of that nostalgia nerve where it reminds me immediately of things like uh, Magic Carpet or something like that. It was very reminiscent of that on top of the fact, actually that the sort of, uh, you know, sort of middle Eastern flavor that they kind of were trying to go with, with this art style. Also very reminiscent of that. It's like magic carpet. If magic carpet wasn't shit. Yes, actually. Yeah. Now (laughs) I, I hadn't put that together in my head, but now that you're saying that, yes, like there's actually a lot of similarities in these two games, except magic carpet is fucking awful. That game. And the other and Panzer Dragoon is not a bad game. Right. Um, and now speaking of why it's not a bad game, let's get a little bit into that and let's start talking about the gameplay. All right. Um, let's do it. So you are riding a dragon, obviously. Hell yeah. Uh, and it, it is a shooter. So if you've played Space Harrier and Star Fox, it's kind of like that. So I would say it probably has more and similar with uh, Star Fox 64 than any other game really um, that you can really compare it to. You have a lock on technology. You can lock on all technology. Yeah. Like but can you do a technology. barrel roll? You can. Oh, well, shit. Okay. There, there's a cheat code. <laughs> oh, it's you a can, cheat code. A cheat oh, well, okay. Yeah, you can. I, there's honestly a cheat code where you can do a barrel. Roll. I was going to say, because like I, I, I wasn't able research, yeah. to do one. So I just assumed it wasn't possible. No, you have to do an input on the on the start screen and then you can do barrel rolls by making certain controller inputs. Ah, sneaky. All right. Yeah. But yeah, you can lock on to, to enemies with your lasers or you can shoot them with your gun uh, and your gun is like a pulse rifle. So it kind of looks like, I don't know gun pulses like beads i don't i don't fucking fucking lasers man i don't know (laughs) fucking lasers no because your dragon shoots lasers i mean you're shooting like plasma plasma beads yeah there you go plasma beams that that seems good yeah yeah beads beads with a d no i'm gonna go with beams beads seems weird fine fucking beams (laughs) but additionally uh like you you can go up down left right of course like any shooter on star fox uh, you can have it reverse normal. But the key thing, what's really unique about the series is you do have a full 360 degree uh, spectrum that you have to pay attention to. Yes. Uh, enemies can approach you from either side or from behind or from the front. And you have the ability to switch between every single one of those quadrants. And it's really cool, especially back in 1994, the ability to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's funny, too, because like I so I, I was not aware of that. I kind of went into this game 
blind and didn't bother to read the instructions because I'm a man. But anyway, um, so I did that. And then I was like, man, this game is really fucking hard. How am I supposed to like fight these guys if they're coming from behind and I have no way of shooting them until they've already gotten a bunch of like free pot shots on me? This is bullshit. I'm going to I'm going to have a lot to say about this when we do this episode. And then like halfway through playing it, I sort of just randomly tried to mess with the shoulder buttons and I was like, uh-huh. oh, <laughs> and then it all made a lot more sense because then you're able to like sort just- of shift your view, you know, left or right, you know, all the way around with the the shoulder buttons. And um, man, the game got easier, surprisingly. Imagine that if you play it right. Yeah. The difficulty lowers. Who knew? Who knew? But, but it is really cool, though, and because to your point, like, you know, rail shooters were certainly not a new thing when Panzer Dragoon came no. out. But having the ability to, you know, change your view to any of the, you know, cardinal directions um, on the fly, no pun intended, um, was, as far as I'm aware, a, a fairly innovative thing. I, I don't know anything off the top of my head that was allowed you to do that, and you might be able to... You might be able to fill in the blanks I, on that one, but I don't want to say, it, you know, it was the first game to do that because I'm not sure. Um, because if you go to like spaceship shooters in space, I'm sure that you could say that you always have the 300 degree field of movement, right? Like, because you're, you're not, it's not on rails, obviously. And well, sure. Really, well, I, well, yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm talking about that specifically, like rail shooters themselves, because, you know, most, the vast majority of rail shooters, even to this day, because yes, they still make them is, you know, you just face wherever the camera is taking you and you blast stuff and that's pretty much it. Um, mm-hmm. which has its own place. Those, those are fun. I'm, I'm, you know, I like to get down with some house of the dead too every once in a while. Um, but this having the ability to not only turn around and see different views, but also the fact that, you know, you, you really required to do that because of the fact that enemies could approach you from any of those angles. Um, and you have, you know, sort of your little mini map with the little pings on it to tell you where enemies are coming in from. Um, it adds a whole other level of, you know, dynamic gameplay on top of your typical rail shooter, which, uh, I, I actually really enjoyed and you know control stuff aside and that was just that was 100 my fault because i didn't take the time to figure it out I, I would argue that it does also add to the difficulty of the game because you're not just looking in one direction and you know reflex shooting things as they come onto the screen you have to be you quite literally have to have your head on a swivel which you know i, I think is pretty cool well that ends the way that enemies cluster additionally, you have to make the decision whether or not you're going to be using your homing lasers or your your plasma bead. Right. Okay, we're, we're your sticking rifle with shots. bead. How about rifle right, shots? fine. Bead it Rifle is. shots. Nope, nope, it's a bead uh, now. Right, fuck it. <laughs> um, so you have to decide whether or not to use your, your, your homing lasers or your bead yes. in order to attack uh, the enemies because you do get – like the more enemies, the per- percentage of enemies you defeat – determines how many continues you get when you complete a level. So players who don't need a ton of continues uh, will be getting tons of continues. <laughs> and players who need continues will not be getting them because, you know, they suck. Yeah, it seems a little counterintuitive, doesn't it? Uh, uh, very. But, you know, it does encourage you to get good. Uh, I suppose that's true. I mean, and even the whole, like, gaining extra credits to continue sort of thing is really just a holdover from the fact that this is at its core – you know, an arcade title. 
Oh yeah. I mean, look at all the all the all the inspirations I listed in the brief history. They're all arcade games with the exception of Star Fox. Right. So, you know, Space Harrier, Starblade, and uh fuck. Uh Ray Force. Mm-hmm. They're all arcade games. And like I, I when I saw Ray Force at first, I was kind of surprised uh, until I saw the way that they were attacking, like with the homing laser and everything. That's very much part of the Ray series. Mm-hmm. And Ray Force was released several months before development really wrapped up. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, if you haven't played Ray Force, look up Galactic Attack or Layer Section, and you'll kind of see what I mean. It's an evolution of Xevious. Mm. I'm not going to get as detailed um, as I have in the in, in, as I would normally get, but that's that's kind of the gist of it. So I was kind of surprised when I saw it, but then it all kind of made sense. Um, but in terms of controlling your actual dragon, I, I had a lot of difficulty. I still have difficulty with that. Um, I played it again really recently, obviously, for this episode. And I thought I was going to have a lot more difficulty, especially on the original recording. When we were going through it first, I was saying I was having some difficulty. But I I think I got over that, oddly enough. Oh. Uh, but I still have problems moving the dragon as fluidly as I would like to. Whereas the the reticle, your aiming reticle, is, is moves a lot faster than your dragon does. Right. And, well, I mean, that's just symptomatic of, you know, having to control this thing with a d-pad i mean unless of course you were using a saturn 3d controller i guess with like a stick but that and doesn't work yeah and that doesn't really work all that well so no so that we we kind of went into a lot more detail on that on our our take one of this recording but suffice to say when i was running this on my emulator because i do not own a saturn um i was having such a difficult time playing this game because the emulator defaulted me to a saturn 3d controller and I don't know if this is symptomatic of the controller itself or if it was the emulator. I don't. I can't say for certain. But my aiming reticle, when I used an analog stick on my controller, would snap back to basically the zero point uh, every time I would let go, which makes the game damn near impossible to actually play effectively. Uh, and I, I almost immediately gave up on it at that point, And I was going to message Chris and be like, we should pick a different game <laughs> to talk about. So, but, um, but I figured it out that that was why. And so when I switched my emulator to just a standard Saturn controller, suddenly it was, it was much, uh, much easier to control. But I mean, this kind of game really, really would benefit from a twin stick setup. Kind of like sin and punishment. Right. Yeah, I mean, because if you were... I think it would be great. Yeah, because if you were able to fly, you know, with like the left stick and then point your reticle with a right stick or something like that, I think that would give you a much greater level of granularity um, of control over what you're doing than kind of controlling everything with just a D-pad. You know where this game would have been great on? Uh, Are you going to say the Wii U? No, not the Wii U, (laughs) but almost. You could have done it on the Wii U. Oh, uh, the Wii. What, with like motion controls? With the pointer. Uh, God. I mean, I guess I, I just, I really hate motion controls. I hate them so much. Like, it's just like a light gun game. Yeah, except the light gun is you were just pointing at the screen and you shoot. Like, the Wiimote was, even with the Wii Motion Plus, that thing was still kind of a pain in the ass to use. Mm, I'm just saying you could have moved your dragon with the, with the nunchuck and then used your your Wiimote to pull the trigger on things. I think it would have been great. Light gun games on the Wii are a lot of fun. Uh, I think it would have yeah, been. Yeah, I mean, it's, like that would have been totally doable. Yes, you're right. I probably wouldn't have played it, but I'm sure it would have made a lot of people happy. 
Just okay, just give so me a damn twin the... stick and I'll be good. That's that's all I ask for. Well, twin sticks are twin sticks are god tier. So <laughs> true. They're amazing. Uh, so let's let's talk about the atmosphere and the setting because I really think uh, Panzer Dragoon nails it. Mm. I, I I love the world that they created for this game. Mm. Uh, like the amount of effort and detail they put into the into the setting into the world of it really goes beyond what you should really expect from a game that you can beat in less than 45 minutes. Mm. Assuming you're good at it. Assuming you're good at it. Which, for which the record, we are neither not. one of us are. <laughs> <laughs> we are not There's, good what, at it. six episodes in this, which is basically levels, right? And I got through yeah. about three. Technically seven, but six, yes, yeah. as episode six. And my most recent playthrough, I got to the end of five. Ooh, wow, look at this. Pro skills over here. I'm also playing on original hardware, mm. so there's always that. Mm. So the setting. I died a lot. Yes. So like we were saying, it, it borrows inspiration from Dune and from uh, Star Wars. And you really get that in the first couple levels. You're like fighting sandworms in level two. And that, mm. by the way, th- that sandworm is a motherfucker. Uh, yes. I cannot dodge. It's like venom. Sp- yes. I can't. Yes. But anyways, Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought that was just me. I was like, how the fuck do you dodge this? Like you just straight up take damage and there's no way to avoid it. I, I, I couldn't yeah, figure I tried, that out. Yeah. I tried to zoom out the camera and see if I could zoom it, but no matter what you do, it just seems like it homes in on yeah. you if you go up or down. It's just like, fuck you. You're going to take this damage and you're going to fucking deal and with like, it. And like normally if something <laughs> was luck. shooting like a homing thing at you in this game, like you'd be able to shoot it down like it's a, you know, a, a meteor or, or a rocket or whatever the fuck. But like you just you mm-hmm. can't do anything about that venom spit. It just hits you. But OK, I'm glad I'm not the only one that because that pissed me off. But continue yeah. continue luckily the the bosses are pretty easy but in any case um like you have sand levels and then there's there's like mountain levels but then you get like stage five and it's there's a really lush green environment um there's there's a lot of heavy ancient technology kind of theme like you're a post-apocalyptic kind of theme i think shane you says like mad max like there's a previous civilization that you could tell is very advanced or you're just previous civilization where you could tell people were living and doing things that you could tell is long gone. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of doing what you can, you and your dragon, trying to fight off people that you don't know why why you have to fight off exactly. <laughs> you're just told they're the bad guys because they're trying to kill you. Um, I mean, that seems fair. I mean, there's also the first, I mean, the yeah. first level, right, is uh, you have like those uh, sunken ruins like in the ocean or whatever, which yeah. is really cool too. Yeah, it's just very like it. The the environments vary a lot. I I did appreciate that, and you kind of you do get that in rail shooters, but not so much space shooters. You get that in Star Fox just because you go from planet to planet, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have like a lot of that stuff, post apocalyptic vibe, uh, more of a Middle Eastern character design, uh, a cre- a complete new language, a game a language that's completely unique to the series, not just the game. Um, and that to me is crazy. By the way, because like, yeah, I mean, to, to invent your own language for a video game is kind of nuts in and of itself. But the fact that they went to those lengths for uh, a rail shooter series is like above and beyond, because I don't think anybody, including us, really expects that level of like, you know, universe depth from a rail shooter game. Yeah, there's a lot of world building. Mm-hmm. There, there's no reason this game should have its own like <laughs> absolutely zero zero reason. That's true. And it was just it's just because like the developers were kind of sitting around and they're like, you know what? We don't want to alienate North American video game players or Japanese video game players. 
So let's just make our own fucking language because we know we're not going to get the resources to translate this and get it out in time. So, yeah, just one take. We'll do it. And you could tell, like, the voice actors are trying really hard to talk in this this made up language <laughs> because it does sound forced. Like, it's not natural. No, but you're you as a listener. You're how are you going to know what sounds natural or not? The language doesn't exist. I mean, also that and the. You know, given the time in which this game came out, um, let's say that maybe the voice clips are not the greatest audio quality either. Uh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's very 1994 like, to the point where I, I actually need to make a little bit of a confession before I realized this little like fact about, you know, them creating a, a language for this. I, I seriously thought that my copy of the game had English subtitles with Japanese audio. I wouldn't blame you for that. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the audio does make sense. Why it sounds muffled is because they are, you know, talking from speakers outside of their ship. Right. It does get better because if, if anyone's played Saga and a lot of people haven't, the voice audio recording does get a lot better. But unfortunately, in Panzer Dragoon Saga, or fortunately, all the voice acting that aren't in the like, except for the beginning of the game and the end of the mm-hmm. game is all in Japanese. Mm, okay, yeah. So it's it's very weird. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the fact that it created a language is really cool. If, and the inspiration for the language, in case anyone cares, uh, it's a mixture of Greek, Latin, and Russian. Ancient Greek, to be specific. Yeah, that, that is an interesting mix. I wonder if there's something that you could actually go and find. Like, if there was, like, a, you know, a, a development Bible for this game or something that has, like, some some detailed notes on the language that they used. I want to know if they were consistent across all games. Mm, that's, that's something yeah, I need to look up. That's another good point because like, you know, some, some of these, uh, fictional languages that, you know, authors or creators go on to make, um, get super involved. I mean, you've got like a more recent example would be like Dothraki, right. From game of Thrones. Um, or, you know, the, the classic example of Klingon, that kind of a thing, or Elvish from Lord of the Rings, or even dialects of Elvish, I think, because Tolkien was insane in the best way possible. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it would be interesting to see if there was a consistency there and if there was some sort of documentation so that you could actually like translate stuff into that language. I don't know who in their right mind would bother to do that. I'm sure there's some very hardcore Panzer Dragoon fan out there that would probably take up that task. I'm pretty sure that, that there's someone that already has. I, I would not doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything you want to say about the soundtrack? Uh, it's really good. I, I So I was a little surprised, and I don't know it's, if it's just like anecdotal or not, but um, I, I was surprised that this was sort of touted as one of the best soundtracks. Not to say that it's not good, because it is really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but it didn't, I don't know, it didn't stand out to me in that way, but that might just be a personal thing. I think it's more of what the soundtrack was when it came out, mm. like how, when it came out and how it accompanied. I think one of it is you listen to the music like when you load it up and you kind of you, you have this high fantasy sci-fi kind of vibe. Sure. So you really don't know what you're getting into anyway, mm. right? And most shooters, uh, better be rail shooters or vertical, horizontal or space, you know, freedom of movement shooters, you either get butt rock or techno. Um, <laughs> or some unholy mix of the two. Right. Panzer Dragoon doesn't do that. It's you, you boot it up and it's, you know, a, you know, a brass horn just blasting, <laughs> you know, it's high fantasy. Uh, you go into the first level 
and it's relaxing flight music. I, I mean, that's the best way I could describe it. it it's it's more orchestral. Mm-hmm. It's um very kind of slow. It's not jamming. You're not like you know hearing na 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 na. You're like a heavy metal guitar while you're shooting down things on your dragon. It's it's more of a fantasy oriented kind of experience, and I think that's why it gets the respect it does. It's it's innovative and it's unexpected. It's it's non characteristic of what you would expect from a shooter, like a game that Panzer Dragoon is. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's complimentary without being obtrusive. And, and that's something that, you know, is, is said about, um, film soundtracks too. There, there are certain, uh, films that do that very well. And then, or TV shows even actually, I was just watching someone's review on YouTube of the recent episodes of the Mandalorian on Disney plus which, by the way, is really good. And one of the things that they kind of pointed out as one of their nitpicks was that they felt that the soundtrack was too present, that, you know, the music was almost making, like, certain scenes feel forced. And that can happen. The force? Yes, the force. And, and so in that way, I could see that, that, yeah, rather than taking that sort of, like, you're on a dragon, this is badass, and you should feel badass. Like, it, it kind of goes in the opposite direction. And in some strange way, kind of gives you this almost like almost like a zen vibe, even though you're sort yeah. of, you know, frantically shooting stuff down. So it's it's an interesting, like, dichotomy. And, and when things get tense, the music gets tense. It, you know, it does speed up. You get a little bit more of the techno things from, from time to time. But it's not in-your-face, crazy, butt-rock kind of hair metal shit all the time. And I love my hair metal music in my shmups. Don't don't oh, sure. get me wrong. It just would not be appropriate. And I think you make a good I think you make a good comparison in terms of soundtrack and setting. It does in in some situations it does really marry up with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. In terms of like not not 100%, but in terms of the expectation versus what you get. It's more of a sweeping score, relaxed and like score as opposed to obtrusive in your face obnoxious music and it, i think it does a really good job yeah well i mean you know john williams was a genius absolutely yeah. and john williams did not compose this by the <laughs> no, way no no he's as not. we said in a brief history <laughs> no but but yeah certainly i think some points of comparison for sure um one last thing about the gameplay that was more of just a personal thing for me um that i found interesting anyway it just happened to be that in my life right now these two things lined up but um i mentioned at the beginning of the episode that i was wrapping up Kingdom Hearts 3, and anybody who's familiar with that series knows that a a rather large chunk of those games tend to be gummy ship portions, um, Uh. which is space shooting, basically. And the earlier titles were actually just rail shooters um, in those sections, so it was even more similar to this than Kingdom Hearts 3 is, where now it's more of like an open space that you can fly around in. But um, the reason I bring it up is just because I... uh, I I noticed that there were some very distinct similarities in how the gummy ships control um, in Kingdom Hearts 3 and how your dragon controls in Panzer Dragoon. Um, There is uh, the same sort of like laser lock on function as well as, you know, mash the button to shoot the beads type of thing. And beads, (laughs) beads. even to show me your titties with these beads. <laughs> it's a celebration. 
Uh, <laughs> I wonder who's going to get that reference now. Uh, anyway, so even down to how your ship controls as well, uh, because this was uh, on our first take of this too, and we don't have to go into super detail about it, but uh, Chris and I were also talking about how we had a little bit of a struggle with how the dragon controls in that typically, you know, most flight style games like this, you would sort of intrinsically expect you know, when you push down that your craft or creature in this case would go up and conversely you press up and they go down that sort of flight stick style control. And that is also present in kingdom hearts three for the gummy ships. The problem though, is that there's a disconnect right between that sort of flight control style and, um, the, the reticle. So because you're controlling your dragon and your aiming reticle with the same, you know, D-pad, in a way it creates this disassociation in your brain where you're flying, so you want to press down to go up, but aiming a reticle should just be one-to-one. If you press up, it should go up. If you press down, it should go down. And so there's Mm -hmm. like, at least for, well, for me, but I think for both of us, there was like no good middle ground there. Again, twin stick would have been great, but, and weirdly enough, Kingdom Hearts 3 also does this where you're controlling both with just one stick. So I, I, I had this problem in both games where I had to switch the controls to just be normal. So up is up, down is down, left is left, that kind of thing. And just sort of, get used to flying that way because that was easier to aim. Like I said, I got over that pretty quick when going back to replaying it. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's just if you play a lot of flying games, if you play a lot of Ace Combat or even Star Fox, that's your expectation is you're, you're going to have typical kind of flight controls. So even like that disassociation, like like you were referencing for aiming reticle, mm. If you press up, you expect your reticle to go right. up, even though you expect your vessel to go down. Right. And yeah, it's a big pain in the ass and it takes a while. There's there's a long period of time I couldn't play this game. And that's one of the reasons like I can't play a lot of first person shooters now is kind of the same reason. Um, cause I'm like I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Sure. Uh, actually paying playing Panzer Dragoon Saga actually helped me adjust. Just because that game it forces you that up is up and down is down. Mm-hmm. But you have time to get used to it because, you know, you're, it's an RPG. You're fighting random battles while you're flying around on a dragon. Right. So you don't constantly have things trying to kill you while you're outside of battle, <laughs> uh, which does help. And, and I'll be curious to see what happens uh, because we, we you mentioned at the end of the brief history that there's a remaster of this game coming out for modern systems for Switch and uh, hopefully soon PC hopefully soon yeah that, I think there isn't a definitive date on it but last we heard it was winter so we'll see how that pans out but um pans out ha ah, pans sir out anyway um I, I would like to see if there is twin stick support in the remaster because I think that would take this game like to the next level especially for people coming into it for the first time which I think is actually going to segue into the last bit of what we typically do with our episodes and talking about whether or mm-hmm. not someone could go and play it today. And if it still holds up, um, I really think that that HD remaster would benefit from twin stick support. So I'm really hoping that happens or at the very least on the PC, obviously controller support should be non-optional. That should be 
built in, but on PC specifically, I'm hoping for mouse and keyboard support as well because that would That'd also make it good. control much, much better. So are you saying it, it is worth it today? How about, how about the original <clears throat> Saturn version? Let's stick with the original Saturn version. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's so it's not a huge investment, right? Um, if this was some friggin' 40-hour game or whatever... It might be a little harder to recommend, but given that, assuming you know you can get over the the difficulty spike or whatever, I I'd say yes. I mean, you can play this game in an hour or less, uh, and because it's broken up into you know distinct arcade style stages, it's something you can very easily just kind of hop into and play for a little bit. Um, and it is fun, like you know, control issues aside. It's still a fun rail shooter with, you know, the addition of the 360 degree, you know, viewpoint movement and and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see why anybody, you know, wouldn't benefit from at least checking it out. I, I mean, I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going to say yes as well, just because coming into this, I knew Shane had never played Panzer Dragoon. So I was kind of weary about it, like all those things. He said, oh, my God. Uh, we need to go to a different game. Like this is too <laughs> archaic. This is an anachronism of, of terrible things of the past, but you know, Shane liking it, me going back, I played it. It's good. Uh, I went back and played it. It's still fun. Uh, you do have to get over the fact that, and in terms of the original, and this is why the HD would benefit it so much. It, it still has that, that awkward transitional 3d graphic style. Mm, yeah. And all, also, the, the way it controls might be a little too floaty because it's not stiff and, and ultra-reactionary like a lot of fans of the genre might prefer. But if you can get over that, you have a good game with a good soundtrack, really good graphics for the time it came out. It's, um, I mean, yeah, they'd look bad if you spend too much time looking at them, but you're not because you're shooting things, and that's a benefit of the genre. And it, it provides a difficulty uh, that that is is difficult, but it's not impossible. So yeah, highly recommended with an asterisk. Uh, if you're listening to this, that that probably won't bother you of the old 3D graphics. But for uh, maybe younger people, younger listeners, people who didn't grow up during that era, might take some time to adjust. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, also at the end of the day, you are flying on a fucking dragon, shooting lasers. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that, right? Absolutely not. And he does look like a dick dragon. He sure does. <laughs> which is the best kind of dragon <laughs> clearly yeah that yeah that was actually one thing i noticed when it first went into this is that the design of the dragons in this game is very distinctive it's not what one would immediately think of when you think of dragon no no we formally announce officially this is official sega like you don't you, you don't get to choose it's not up to you that panzer dragoon the dragon from panzer dragoon is the official dragon of the Retro Hangover podcast for its dick dragon-like appearance. I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. It gets the seal of quality. I'm, I'm yes. down with that. There you go. Panzer Dragoon, the official mascot of Retro Hangover. It's a mascot. It's just the official dick dragon. Okay. Okay. We can say it's the... Okay, fine. Official mascot. Fuck it. <laughs> Panzer Dragoon's dragon is the official mascot of Retro Hangover podcast. There you go. You heard it here. Right here. Uh, all right. So in any case, yeah. Shane, yes. where can we find where can we find us? <laughs> where can we find us? That's an excellent question. Uh, well, we we can find us pretty much uh, pretty much anywhere on the social medias. We are on the Facebook, Instagram, the the Twitter. Uh, just look for Retro Hangover, and you will find us. 
Also, uh, if you're interested, uh, we do have our merch store open and you can find that at bit.ly slash RHP merch. And if you would like to join the illustrious ranks of the 16-bit tier patrons that we shout out at the beginning of our episodes or at a different tier, um, even as little bit uh, as a dollar, if you want to donate, you can totally do that. We'll be eternally grateful to you. You can check out our Patreon as well. You can find that at bit.ly slash RH patron. And um, you can get access to not only a private Discord server where you can harass us whenever you want, but uh, also a bunch of pretty cool bonus audio content like uh, outtakes from our recordings and uh, our rapid fire reviews of some of the games that we are playing in between, you know, our uh, our mainline episodes. So please feel free to go check that out. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful podcast. Oh, yeah. Sunday streams uh, on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash retro hangover. Yes. Uh, there's at Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 2100. Uh, and they can go anywhere up to two hours. Make check. Uh, and they are also posted to YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where we do our we do post our Sunday screams and our podcast. So make sure to go there as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, with all that being said, uh, Chris, anything else you'd like to add? Until next time, play with your Dick Dragon screaming joysticks. (laughs) 